All right, let's take our Bibles now and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We looked last week at the first half of verse 1. A good friend calculated with a little sarcasm that at this rate it was going to take us six years to get through the letter to the Ephesians. So we're going to do a little more than a half verse, but not a lot more than that today. Do mostly a half verse and then a preview of what is to come in this opening section of Ephesians, which we're going to call Bless Fest. By the end of this morning, you'll go, I get it. That is a great expression for this opening section, a bless fest. So Ephesians chapter one, you turn there. Verse one says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Two, the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Not a throwaway verse at all. The author is declaring what I'm doing, what I'm writing is according to the will of God. I am doing what I am doing because of God's unique personal direction and revelation in my life that I am to be an apostle. And we spent all of last week saying there's no better place than to be able to go, I'm doing what I'm doing according to my understanding of the will of God, the sovereign will of God, the declared will of God, and possibly the personally revealed will of God. If you have questions about the will of God, you weren't here last week, I pray that you go back and watch. But now this speaks to who he is writing to. To the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful. Where? In Christ Jesus. So here's what I want you to capture from this first section. The repeated emphasis that he is going to declare and that hopefully we will gain from is that they were uniquely in Christ Jesus. Ten times in these opening 14 verses, that expression is used. If you have your Bible, uh, just scan down through the verses with me. The end of verse, verse 1, in Christ Jesus. The end of verse 3, in Christ. Beginning of verse 4, just as he chose us, in him. Who's him? Christ. End of verse 6, he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Beginning of verse 7, in him. Drop down to the end of verse 9, which he purposed in him. Verse 10, in Christ. Last two words in verse 10, in him. Drop down to verse 12, to hope in Christ. First two words of verse 13, in him. You see the repeater, that's 10 times in 13 verses, this expression recognizing that as the audience there in Ephesus and what is true for us who have placed our faith in Christ Jesus is that our life is in him and in him is in Christ. That's not a throwaway statement. The, the most significant truth about who we are as followers of Jesus is that we are in Christ. Sometimes just seeing it, 
makes a difference. So here's me, or not really me, but uh, could represent me, short, brown hair parted on the side, ruggedly handsome, right? Right here. That's me. Here's Christ, perfectly clear, without sin. When I trusted in him, what became most important about me is this, is that I was placed in him, in Christ. And now my life is lived and understood and viewed in him. That when Christ, excuse me, when the Father sees me, he sees Christ. Why? Because I am in him. My life, and if you have trusted in Jesus, your life is in Christ. Now here's why that is so significant. To the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. In other words, to be in Christ Jesus is to be a a saint. All who are in Christ are saints. Now that's different than what we culturally think about saints. When you hear somebody say about somebody else at work or in your neighborhood or in your family, oh, they're such a saint, what are we saying about that person? That they are not just good, they're like extra good. They're like saints. For him to stay with her, wow, he's a saint. For her to stay with him, she's a saint. In other words, no, most people wouldn't do that. She's like extra good. That's cultural understanding, saint. So do you think in this sense that that Paul is saying, hey, to those in Ephesus, Ephesus who are like extra good, the C plus, B minus folks, this is not for you. No, he's not speaking about those who are extra good. He's speaking about those who are in Christ. From a Catholic perspective, what do we mean by saint? Not not just extra good, but extra, extra good. Heroic virtue is how they would define it as it's expressed and labeled by very important people. A select few chosen from generations and generations who would get a title, saint. Is that who he's writing to? No. No. See, to understand saint in Ephesians 1.1 is not to think culturally, extra good, not to think from a Catholic perspective, a unique and very rare title given to some. It's to think biblically about the fact that when you and I were placed in Christ, we were made holy. Saints, it is who I am, who I have been made in Christ. And it's only for those who are in Christ, but it's also for everyone, see, 
only in Christ, but everyone who is in Christ because the scripture declares he, the father, made him the son who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become what? The righteousness of God, where? In him. So if I am in Christ, I have been given the righteousness of God. So I am a, I'm a saint. I am made righteous. But it's not only that I am made righteous. It's that I am made righteous and I am becoming, that is living righteously in Christ. I made righteous by position, holy, but I must learn to live out that righteousness that I have now in him. If anyone is where? In Christ, this is a new creature. Old things passed away, behold, new things have come. So it's not only who I've been made, it's who I am becoming. We are made saints by Christ and we are becoming, that is we are living that out as we grow in Christ. Does it matter? It makes all the difference, friends, if you think of yourself at core as a dirty, rotten sinner or a holy saint. Prior to being in Christ, we were enemies of God, far from God, sinners deserving of the wrath of God. But when we trusted in him, we were placed in him. Did you ever think about that? When we trust In him, when we believe in him, we are placed in him. And in him, I am holy, made holy. I am righteous, made righteous. I am a saint. And I now think of myself, not more highly than I ought, but I think of myself biblically. Give you an example. When uh, I think I've told you when my oldest daughter uh, started dating this guy in Bible college named Chad, after they had been together for a while, he grabbed me, we were driving down Aladdin Road, and he said, Mr. Rutt, I'd like permission to marry Christy. And I had not planned this, but off the top of my head, I think prompted by the Spirit, uh, I asked him this question, maybe you remember, are you done being single? Because, you know what's ugly? What's ugly is a married person who's not done being single. Because they want parts of marriage, but they want to hold on to singleness. So I said, are you done being single? He said, I am. Now watch. There was a point in time where he went from single to Marriage. Did he have to grow in learning what it means to no longer just me, but us 
in decisions, in priorities, in communication. Do they have to learn and grow in that? Yeah. He was no longer single, but he had to learn how to live according to who he now was, married. You see the illustration? There's a point in time when you go from dead in your sin, guilty before God, to in Christ, holy and blameless, a saint. But as every newly married person has to learn, and sometimes we're slow learners, have to learn to live as married Every single one of us who have been made saints need to learn to live out that sainthood. And if we deny the change in reality, it's going to keep us from growing, right? If we deny that we've been made saints, we're just going to continue to excuse our sinful attitudes, our sinful behaviors, our sinful reactions with what? People say it all the time. Well, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. Hey, you know what? Not if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, what's true? You're a saint. See, it matters how we think. Back to verse 1. To the saints. Why? Because they are in Christ Jesus, who are at Ephesus and who are faithful. Where? In Christ Jesus. See, to be in Christ is not only to be a saint, but to be in Christ is only by faith. Faith is the only way to begin relationship with God. Here's how we normally think. We normally think, me, saint, Trying to get better. I'm trying to do better. Oop, fell back. Trying to do better. And if I'll just stop cussing, and if I will stop drinking so much, and if I'll start going to church and start thinking more of other people, then maybe I will work my way from here and like get myself in. Except you can't. The only way you can become in Christ is how? Through faith in him. It's the only way to begin relationship. For by grace you have been saved through faith. See, salvation, to go from dead in our sins to alive in God, to be dirty, rotten sinners, to forgiven, redeemed, made new saints, is not by our works. It's by our faith in God who is gracious. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Are you in Christ? Just really, I'm not asking you to answer out loud. I'm asking you right now, are you in Christ? And if, if you go, yeah, I am, then answer yourself for yourself this question, based on what? Based on the fact that you're better than you used to be? Based on the fact that you're trying harder? That will not get you 
in Christ. Because the only way you can be in Christ is through Jesus. It is a narrow way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the, to the Father but through me. Through faith in Christ. But it's not only the way, only way to begin the relationship. It's the only way to live out that relationship. See, this is not a throwaway verse, Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. He is saying, I'm writing to saints, not extra good people, but people who have been made good in Christ. And they've been made good in Christ by trusting in him, through faith in him. And they are continuing to live out that righteousness. How? By faith. Paul writes to the church, to the believers there in Colossae, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him. This is so, so significant, folks. I was born and lived my early years dead in my sin, separated from God. And then I recognized that only through Christ could I be restored to right relationship with God. But here's what this verse tells us. That is how right relationship with God is begun. How? By faith. As you've received him, do what? Now. So walk in him. In other words... I needed, by God's grace, for Jesus to do something for me that I could not do for myself. To save me from hell and the wrath of God and restore my relationship with him. But faith is not a one-time moment in our past. Faith is how it begins. And then every day I am intended Every day, every moment of every day, I am intended to live by faith. And that often, maybe we know that language, but it often escapes us. And I know that because if I just grabbed you and said, hey, tell me in the last couple days how you've been living by faith. It would be a question that stumped most of us. Ah, uh, unless we have the, like this really big, big moment, there would be not that sense that we lived by faith. But friends, every day a spouse chooses to love the other and not themselves, to believe, now watch, to believe not only that that is pleasing to God, but through the power of the Spirit, we have what we need to do that. That is an act of faith. To be patient with people who are driving you crazy is an act of faith. To love people who don't love us, act of faith. To pray in spite of what we see, an act of faith. 
to give when we don't know what the future holds economically? Act of faith. You capturing? As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now watch. Having been firmly rooted. When were we firmly rooted? Past, present, or future? Having been. When you and I, if we trusted Christ, we were immediately by him firmly rooted. This is a little confusing because if we've had connection with a particular Christian organization in the past, there's this whole thought of we need to grow deeper roots. Problem with that is we don't need, we're not called to grow deeper roots. We have been firmly rooted. Where? Yeah, thank you. In Christ. What is our role? Yeah, to walk in him and that is being built up in him. In other words, that which has been happened spiritually and our hearts has already been fully accomplished. I have everything that I need for life and for godliness the moment I am born again. I don't need any more. What I need is to learn to live that out. To live by faith as I received by faith. To engage every day believing that what Jesus has done for me is enough for me to live it out. But that is not our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to think, Jesus, I need you to get me out of hell. I'm into heaven. Thank you. I'll do my best from now. Now, why do I say that's our natural tendency? Because it's exactly what Paul wrote to the church in the areas of Galatia. He says, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. These are believers in Jesus and the churches in Galatia. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's a question. What's the answer? How do you receive the spirit? By hearing with faith, right? There was no, I ain't getting myself better. There was a, I can't, but Jesus is the way. He has done for me what I could not do for myself. I'm going to trust in him. I received the spirit. I was in Christ by faith. Watch. Are you so foolish? Yes. Here's how. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you? Are you? Impossible! No, I'm not being perfected by the flesh. I have no more capacity to perfect myself by the flesh than I did to come to God by the flesh. I can only receive what Christ has done for me by faith to be born again. And then each moment of every day, I can only live by that same faith that he will do for me what I cannot do for myself. Are you perfected by the flesh? No. But how many of us would say, yeah, there was faith in Jesus. Yeah, but I think it was like 20 years ago I trusted in Jesus. Now I've been doing my best. 
How do we continue? In the same way that we begun. He says, so then, does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer again is by hearing with faith. I cannot encourage us enough, friends. We are saints by faith. Given the righteousness of God in Christ by faith. And we live out that righteousness in our marriage, in our home, at work, in our finances, in our attitude, in our thought life, in our reactions. How? By faith. Believing that what he said is true, not what I think. Believing not only what he said is true, but believing that he will do for me, be for me, all that I need to do all that he says. We come by faith. We live by faith. Can I just tell you my simple prayer for us? That you would hit Wednesday of this week and be able to go, I lived by faith the last few days. Not perfectly. And and it's not because I'm going to try harder. (laughs) It's because I'm going to recognize every moment of every day, I can't. But he can. He lives within me. Lord, here I am. Do for me what I cannot do for myself. In the same way that you made me holy, would you live out your holiness through me? That's what I pray. That we would know our sainthood and live in it by faith. To the saints who are at Ephesus. See, he is writing specifically believers, saints, who are saints by faith at Ephesus. And by that, I mean the unique place God has his people there. But unique, not in the sense that it's the only people he has, it's the people that he uniquely has where? At Ephesus. Now that might sound strange to you. But I want you to think about this. If you are in Christ, we are in Christ to be Christ where? At Ephesus? No. No. He wrote them because they were in Ephesus and he wanted them to know who they were in Christ so that they could be Christ in Ephesus. But the whole goal of these weeks, this year, 2021, is for you to know who you are in Christ so that you might be Christ on the street you live, in the place you work. Because you may have thought, well, I moved there because I like the neighborhood. We like the house. We like the school system. But do you know the bigger story of why you're there? Because if you are in Christ, you are to be Christ wherever he's placed you. So the people would experience Christ 
Because you're in him. They would experience Jesus. First and foremost, in my home. You see, if you experience Christ through me, but my wife and kids don't, God forbid. Because you know what they would think? Ah, that's just a big act. Dug up on there on that stage, that's just a big act. We know who he really is. So you don't start by asking, do people at church see Christ in you? Ask this, does your spouse? If he's given you kids, do your kids. And you probably spend most of your time with the people you work with. Do they see Christ in you? I want it to be true at church, but lots of people know how to put on for an hour a week. That's not, it starts where? In our closest relationships. I'm in Christ to be Christ. At home, at work, at church, at the gym. Wherever we go, we're to be, what? Saints who are living as saints. Not extra good people, but in Christ people. All right. I hope that's clear. And I genuinely hope, one more time, we'll move on, that you will ask yourself this week, am I perfected by my flesh? Am I being perfected by the Spirit? By saying yes to whatever he says, and yes, that he will give you what you need to love, to forgive, to be patient, to be kind, to endure, regardless of our circumstances. So now let me introduce you to verses three through 14. As we move to not only that our life is in him, but the blessings that we have in Christ. So I'm gonna read section for us, uh, three through 14. And I want you to not only see again the times that we are in Christ and in him, but look at the blessings that we have in him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things, where? In Christ. Everything summed up in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him 
You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed, where? In him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That's a lot of words and a lot of blessing. See, what's true when we're in Christ? If we're in him, it's because we've been chosen by him. If we're in him, it's because we have been adopted as a son. If we're in him, we've not only been chosen and adopted, we have been redeemed by Jesus. In him, I am chosen, adopted, redeemed, and forgiven. Blessed by being chosen, by being adopted, by being redeemed, by being forgiven, by being informed of his purpose. I love it. He goes, there's this mystery. Oh, let me tell it to you. It's not a mystery anymore. We're informed with purpose. And we're sealed by the Spirit. And we're heirs of God. What are we in him? Chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs. That's a lot of blessing. So much so, I want us to remember it. But I thought, maybe you're thinking, how would I remember all that? Very simple. Carfish. That's all you have to do is remember that word, carfish. Now you may go, well, that's not a word. Well, it is now. Who are we in Christ? We are saints. And what is our, all of our names as saints? I'm not Saint Doug. I'm Saint Carfish. And if you're in Christ, you are Saint Carfish. And I was very easy, and I'm sure it's going to, you're going to discover as well. I thought, I'll never remember these seven. And then I was like, hmm, Carfish. I can remember them now. You remember? Carfish. C for? Yeah, C. A for? R for? F for? I for? the hardest one informed s for sealed h for heirs so it doesn't sound like an h but it is it's easy carfish now why does it matter because you and i will not live in him until we know who we are in him We're not going to live in him until we know we are in him. And who are we? We are St. Carfish. We are chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs. I think you probably all know it already. That's amazing. That's the power of a simple word, Carfish. You could, I, I think the rest of the week you'll be able to car, carfish and you'll be able to name. Ah, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed, heirs. I don't have to remember. I just play it out in my mind. 
so that you might live as ones who have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs. You know, but, but you know the best thing about being carfish? Here's the best thing. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing, carfish, every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places, in Christ. Meaning what? Well, why is that significant? Why does that make it so good? This simple reason. Because they are in the heavenly places and because they are in Christ, they cannot be taken from me. This every spiritual blessing that we have been blessed with cannot be taken from us. Why? Because they're given to us in Christ. So, are you catching why we're going to call this series a bless fest? If not, blessed be the God. In other words, bless God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. In other words, who went first? We blessed God or he blessed us? He went, he went first. He blessed us. And when we understand who we are in Christ, what do we do? We bless him. He blesses us. We bless him. He blesses us. We bless him. It's a bless fest. You know what that means? It's a festival of blessing. And friends, you see, when we gather for worship, and we kind of half-heartedly engage. Maybe we mumble along, we check our phone. We do a lot of this. That tells me, hmm, we don't understand the blessing. Because those who get the blessing do what? Bless. And the more we understand the blessing, the more we bless. It's a bless fest because we have been blessed to bless God for his blessing. It's a lot of blessing. That's the point. It's a bless fest. We are blessed to bless God for his blessing. And it's not just there in verse three. He says, bless God who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing, with stuff that can't be taken from you because it's in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But notice what he says later in the text. He says, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. In other words, adoption ought to cause us to go, whoo, God. What a dad. Verse 12, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 14, who is given the spirit as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Why are we blessed? To bless God. And when we bless God, we are to the 
praise of his glory. We are carfish. We are chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs to the praise of whose glory? His glory. Why is it to the praise of his glory? (laughs) Because I didn't choose him. He chose me. I didn't work my way into the family. He adopted me. I didn't pay for my sins by doing good. He redeemed me, forgave me, and informed me. And then I keep taking the sucker off. But if we were truly in Christ, I put you in there one time and couldn't get it off. And I could wham, slam it on the ground and it wouldn't break. Why? Because I'm a sealed heir in Christ. So if it's only been by him and only been through him, then all the praise should go to him, to the praise of his glory. And the more we get it, the greater the blessing. Right? So I didn't plan it this way, but I was pretty excited when I realized that by the time we finish verse 14 of Ephesians 1, we will be at Palm Sunday. And you know what Palm Sunday is, right? It's what? It's a blessed fest, right? With palm branches. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Palm Sunday is when he, Jesus, was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully. Is that true, CFC? We praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen and they had not even seen chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs. And they shout, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So I want you to understand, we're not just studying a text between now and Palm Sunday. We are unwrapping the incredible blessing. For what purpose? Bless God to the praise of his glory. Just imagine this past Christmas when you gave the gift that you couldn't wait to give. And then somebody unwrapped it for my youngest daughter from her fiance, a golden retriever. Do you know I've given that little squirrel 21 years of presents and she was never as happy as what her fiance gave her. She was unglued with joy. And I was unglued with joy that they're getting married and that dog is going with her. Everybody was happy. Do you understand though? There are gifts that when we recognize how good they are, it just erupts in praise and blessing. And that's what, friends, that is what this series is intended to do. I'm calling you now that every week we would come in with a greater heart to 
the praise of his glory with a greater, not duty, not obligation. I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to sing. None of that junk. Uh, With a greater sense of love and appreciation for a God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ that cannot be taken from us. That when we go, we're chosen, praise God, adopted, praise, praise God, redeemed, praise, praise, praise God. I won't do through all seven of them, but you get the point. So that Palm Sunday really would be a crescendo, if you will, of to the praise of his glory. As we rejoice in all the miracles of chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs, we rejoice in those miracles. But the king who they were worshiping, they had no idea. We know, because we live on the other side of it, we know that the one that they were singing and shouting for, waving palm branches, palm branches to, would be in days crucified. Not because he had lost, but because he had won. Full and complete, finished the work of redeeming and forgiving by the giving of himself. So if you did not get some elements for the Lord's Supper, put your hand up. There's guys that will be available over in North Same as well. See a few that you're at home. I hope you have gotten something. Two elements in here. If you're using these, take the clear wrapper off first and that'll expose... What we use here, unleavened bread, it's simply the reminder that Jesus, the one who has blessed us, was without sin. Scripture defines, symbolizes sin with leaven. He was without sin. And then if you take the foil off, it's the reminder of the blood of Jesus. And apart from this, There is no forgiveness of sin. Friends, how do we get from out here to in here? Through the death of the Lord Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness. Saints. This is how we become saints, through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Not by taking these elements, but by remembering the person of Jesus that these elements represent. So with gratitude, as our first blessing of God, for his blessing of us, would you just tell him, Thank you, Jesus, and take with me. Lord, in this moment of remembering, I want to ask that you would increase the capacity of our hearts in the coming weeks 
to comprehend the depth and the breadth of your great love that would choose and adopt your great love that would redeem and forgive your great grace that would inform and seal make us heirs God I pray that you would be building in this your body an ever growing heart of praise that we would with increasing hearts and louder and louder voices live our lives to the praise of your glory. Lord, to that end, we worship you.